ask Calibrook give me some kind of check to like build that relationship. Nature. <laughs> <laughs> it's natural. <laughs> the, the camaraderie between dueling opponents. <laughs> Live for the Mundangerous Rumble in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Yishin. And welcome to episode 322 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. This is Actual Play Season 3, Episode 5. In this episode, we're continuing our playthrough of the 5th edition D&D adventure, The Magister's Masquerade, from the source book Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos. Tez Proudgale has gotten into a fight, uh, an honor duel, or at least his friends did. And so being a fine, upstanding gentleman, Tez is also partaking. He's also out for some treasure. Oh, yeah. Definitely here for the treasure. All the treasure that these kids have. <laughs> going to take their lunch money. Yeah, these poor college <laughs> students. Uh, look, they're very into the honor, okay? <laughs> sure. So I guess we have a couple exciting announcements, or you have a couple exciting announcements. I don't really have anything to do with any of this. I don't. I don't know. You uh, co-host a podcast that is edited by uh, someone who's being recognized by the greater RPG community. You, you know, we always say uh, we're an any nominated podcast, and it is an honor just to be nominated and. Aram Vartian, our editor, uh, GM of God's Fall, and host of the relatively new podcast, Kill Every Monster, uh, can also now say that his new show is any nominated. Well, we are an any losing podcast. <laughs> he is an any award nominated podcast. Yeah, but we, so. we, we did lose to Ken and Robin, so I think that's... That's true. It was a different time. That's right. It's still an accolade <laughs> in and of itself. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so voting for the Any Awards is open. There'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, look under podcast and you will find Kill Every Monster. Go ahead and give them the most points that you can. Uh, and uh, and let's help Aram uh, get recognized for his work on a, on a better show than ours. Yeah. I, I don't know why we didn't uh, put ourselves in for best production values specifically for Aram's editing. You right. Know, like, let's continue to write his coattails as long as possible. <laughs> um, so if you haven't been listening to Kill Every Monster, uh, you should check it out. It's a very cool format where uh, every episode focuses on one particular uh, D&D-ish monster uh, and has a special guest um, who and like they really dive into the like psychology, um, you know, personality, physiology of uh, a monster and then do a little bit of role play, a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of AP, um, and and like really explore uh, where you can take uh, a monster in, in all kinds of the cool directions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, unless you think that we weren't invited, we were. Uh, we just didn't think they were a big enough show to show up as guests for, and so now we get to eat crow. Right, shows us. So, mm -hmm. you know, I I guess we should go ahead and do that recording, assuming they still yeah. have time for us. Now that it might benefit us, no. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, no, it it would be a great way to show some love for uh, for Aram, who puts a ton of work into every episode, uh, and uh, I think gives us a much better show as a result. So uh, he has a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of projects. This one is getting a lot of recognition. It's well deserved. So if you could take a second, uh, please do go vote for it. Uh, and speaking of friends of the show, we mentioned this before. Uh, if you have not signed up yet for our Gen Con online panel, you should do that uh, now. It is two legs bad. Uh, we are talking about how to play non-humanoid RPG characters. Uh, if you recall, last year we did a panel on how to play non-human RPG characters, and now we are just taking the deep dive all the way down the elevator shaft to just get into the nitty-gritty invertebrate non-corporeal weirdness and every every little bit of that juicy guts that we can i I mean i bet there's going to be some discussion of snails uh i suspect you're right because we Mm -hmm. do have two delightful uh special guests for the episode uh one darcy ross from darrington press the publishing arm of Critical Role, and Rich Howard, creative lead and co-designer of Descent into Midnight, and, if you recall, former host of uh, Whelmed, The Young Justice Files. So the panel itself is Saturday, August 6th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, We will be sending out the uh, specific link to uh, everyone who's registered uh, on Gen Con. It's free. Um, Just sign up and then you'll be added to the list and you can get updates uh, and uh, the uh, eventual link for the live stream. Awesome. So don't miss that. Uh, Make sure you grab tickets uh, again for free from Gen Con's website and you'll get the link and you can join in the discussion. Quick recap, uh, Scalabro was doing some kibitzing during a game of dragon chess and the Goliath rampart that he was trying to help out wasn't able to capitalize on that strategy, lost the game. A rarity for rampart, who's uh, quite the student of dragon chess. Rampart challenged all of you to a duel, a rumble at the Fury Gale repository at midnight. And that's where you all are right now. Uh Uh-huh. Ready to show these kids who's boss, make a name for yourself. Right. Uh, So we should talk about what we know about these duels to just remind everybody. (laughs) So one of the rules that we know of is you're not allowed to use any weapons. No weapons. For safety, I guess. <laughs> it's a magic school. Yeah, so that's annoying. Uh, and then also, it is taking place... Uh, what, what is this place called? It's called the Fury Gale Repository. It is a place where the Prismari students uh, put their old magical works of art to get broken down. It's basically like a giant trash compactor facility that tears down magic. Uh, so it's a a relatively safe place for people to conduct duels so you also can't kill each other and the area um, is enchanted such that if you are unconscious with no hit points for one minute you regain all your hit points Uh, and then there's also strange wild magic and magical surges Mm -hmm. and also I believe 
Tez was warned to uh, stay out of the way of the statues. Yeah, your buddy Stalklaw. I uh, gave you a little tip there. Don't get too close to the statues. So that's all we know. Having never been in a or witnessed a magical duel, we're getting the full-on Harry Potter experience here. So, sure, all three of us will figure out how to do a wizard duel, despite none of us being wizards. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Stalklaw, you made you had some interesting interactions with a bunch of students earlier in the day and that means that Tez you gain a relationship point with Javanish Stoutclaw you've made a, quite the impression on the shifter mm-hmm. 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 and now talk to me about the value of that relationship in game terms because that's the only reason to have relationships is to gamify them obviously uh, none yet because one relationship point does nothing two relationship points and you get a, a bond boon. Uh, when you hit negative two relationship points, you get a bond bane. And, mm, yeah, Meepo and Scalabro, all of you have minus one relationship point with Rampart. I think those are the strong interactions that you had. All right, so when last we left Tez, he was running around frantically trying to find... Aurora Winterstar. Let me look up her name... <laughs> Winter, is it Winterstar? It is Winterstar with a Y. Winterstar. Aurora Luna Winterstar and Scalabro, who seemed to have hit it off very well. Uh, but Tez found out that Aurora is from Karnath and was pretty sure that she would sniff out very quickly that none of you are. Yes. Oops. Mm-hmm. Tez was not able to find them. Finally came to the repository at midnight, the appointed time, and found out they are already here. As Tez approaches the repository, he sees that it's a warehouse-like structure. The walls externally slowly change shape and color as if they're melting and reforming. And floating all around are these warning signs that say, Danger! Elemental forces. And when he opens the door and steps inside... The space within the Furigel repository is a vast open area filled with discarded magical creations. Elemental forces infuse the structure's walls in numerous alcoves, the surfaces of which slowly shift, glowing with discordant lights that shimmer, clash, consume one another, and then glow anew. This is a very large cavern. The ceiling is 20 feet high. The walls are glowing, so it's bright near the walls uh, for about 20 feet, and then it dims a little bit. Uh, and inside is Rampart the Goliath with their arms crossed looking none too happy but ready to do battle with their ceremonial uh, plate armor and great sword strapped across their back and standing with Rampart are a number of humans the first one has slicked back brown hair and he's got a few white streaks in it which you're not sure if they're affected or if they're natural he's wearing Tez would be able to tell um, a very smart almost uniform with what almost looked like medals Does that seems a little put upon maybe they're 
prizes of some sort. Anyway, he seems quite full of himself. He's got almost this sneering expression. His nose is pretty high uh, in the air. Uh, there's another human, a woman with green hair, uh, who actually seems to be smiling slightly and seems excited at the proceedings. And then a red-headed man with like a face you want to punch who is conjuring balls of glowing blue energy and tossing them back and forth. That is Rampart's posse. And you, of course, see Meepo, Scalabro, and Aurora Luna Winterstar, who you have seen pictures of her, but this is the first time you've seen her in person. Uh, And she has long black hair. Uh, Her skin is almost a grayish violet. She has pointed ears like like an elf. And she wears distressed high-collar black clothing. So, choker, red jewels, piercings. Mm -hmm. And she spots Tez walking in, and her eyes light up, not not with, like, delight, but with almost recognition. And she turns to Skelebro. Oh, Heketsumai, is this your friend? The one you were telling me about. And Skelebro turns to Tez walking in and says, Indeed. You're almost late. I'm almost on time. Did anybody tell you the rules of these duels, Skelebro? Also, what is Heketsumai? Aurora seems a little, a little shocked. Skelebro raises an eyebrow. Meepo looks from Skelebro to Tez, back to Skelebro, back to Tez. And says, oh. Does Tez not know Skelebro's name? Heketsumai. If you wanted me to know your name at some point in the past year, you should have told me. It's been like weeks. <laughs> the last year, man. It's been forever. <laughs> How long have we known each other? We've known each other for years, Skelebro. Why did you never mention this? He turns to Aurora. You see what I mean. She nods knowingly. We're good friends. There's a big huff from Rampart. Are we done getting to know each other again? Or are we going to fight? No, quiet down. No, I lost a chess match, and I really, really have to honor duel my way out of it. We don't have time for you. Relax. All right, look. Here's the way I see it. We don't fight because this is very exceedingly stupid and childish, and there is absolutely no point in any of this, and there's no harm that can even come from it. So, like, why bother? Scalabro thinks about what Tez said. I agree with you in principle, but don't you think it would be a bit of fun to win? Tez kind of leans in and puts his arm around Skelebro kind of conspiratorially, you know, to like shield him away from, uh, from Aurora and is like, look on one hand, I don't really want to run around beating up a bunch of college kids. On the other hand, we do have to kind of make a show of it. So... Also, I don't get to stab anybody. This isn't actually fun. <laughs> but for you, I'll fake stab. I think this will be a growing opportunity for you to stretch your horizons. 
horrible. And then Tez turns. All right, Rampart. Who's first? How do we do this? What silly code do we have to follow for your honor to not be insulted when you lose this stupid thing? The human with the white streaks in his hair then sort of steps out from Rampart's side and says, Oh, well, all right. You know, if you're, if you're going to start fighting already, let me just make it clear that I'm just here to observe. All right. I'm not taking any sides. And he walks over to Chez, holds out his hand for a handshake. Um, this is the redhead with a face I want to punch. Uh, this is the other guy, uh, brown hair with white streaks in it, who looks like he's wearing medals. The sneering guy, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. no stuck up in the air. Yeah, I guess Tez will take his hand off. Tez takes his hand off with one swipe <laughs> of his right beard. <laughs> <laughs> Feeds it to a crocodile. <laughs> uh, he, he looks down at the handshake, and then when you let go, he says, eh, rough hands. Laborer. Makes sense. I, I hear. It's a lot of rebuilding to do after the war, Karnath. And he makes a pointed look at Aurora as well. He has medals on his chest? Yeah, but as you look down, the, the, they're not like, they're definitely not like war medals or right. anything like that, right? These are, you don't recognize them, but you're trained in history, so you would guess that they're like privileges of rank. Right. Essentially. Like, like cultural Got it. And certainly not like earned, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like they're not meritorious. So at the insult, so one thing about that insult is that Tez is actual royalty. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lazar principalities were not heavily involved in the war. Right. Because they're so far away. So uh, he's being very underestimated here. And I think Tez generally doesn't feel real strongly about class because... I mean, the Lazar principalities are, I mean, they're not democratic, but they're like so constantly shifting that like there's no, like the idea of a hereditary monarchy is kind of obscene, of kind of absurd in the Lazar principalities because it's more likely that like a ruling family is just usurped by their first mates. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and it's like, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, pirate ships are, are like typically more democratic, uh, than like you know most of the kind of like landed aristocracy in the rest of Corvair. Certainly so. in Eberron with no triangle trade, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, no, I, yeah. I mean, it's because you're the enemy of all humanity as a pirate. Okay, like when everyone wants to kill you, your only friends are you, uh, and it kind of it kind of tears down social standing in a hurry. What Tez? I think what Tez does here, uh, in a way that is completely non-threatening but also probably alarming is as as this you know sneering white streaked slicked back you know uh overwrought whelp is is mocking his class uh he quickly finds a rapier swiped across his chest and one of the metals like looped onto it and sliding down the blade where Tez can sort of like examine it while it sits on the hilt of his rapier, mm. right? So it's kind of just a, a flashy swordsman move. Mm-hmm. You you do a you do a Zoro where, with one flick of your wrists, you cut a metal, and now it's in your hand, essentially. Exactly right. It, right. Instead of like his pants falling down, 
because right. it was Zorro. <laughs> <laughs> like the metal is now. And so he's just kind of casually looking at it and uh, and nods along and, and like kind of like flicks it back to him, you know, like thumbs it end over end uh, in the air and says, hmm, I've seen unearned medals before. These are very nice unearned medals. So you do that, but give me either an intimidate check or just like a straight up attack roll. This will be an attack roll. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this will be a Tez attack roll. (laughs) Uh, I think think I'm a plus seven. That sounds right. Plus three proficiency plus dex. Oh, plus one for magic. Yeah, that's the plus seven. Um, so that's a 14 plus seven is 21. Great. Yeah. Um, it takes him probably two or three seconds before he realizes what has actually happened. Uh, when he looks down and sees his metal in your hand and then a, a hand sort of drifts up to where it was and realizes that it's been neatly severed. Um, he goes a little pale. Uh, he swallows hard, but he seems to, you know, try to regain his composure um, and flashes you what is obviously a fake smile and says, Grayson Windermere, I write the gossip column for the star. Mina Lee told me you were friendly. We'll see about that. Uh, I hope you and your friends do well in this because if you don't, well, everyone's going to hear about it. And he takes a step back and retreats to a safe vantage point perfect uh and then rampart uh starts introducing the two others in a, an almost ritualized way um Scalibur seems to understand what is happening uh and rampart points to the green-haired woman uh, and calls her out as Lorene Arneza of Quandrix. Uh, she smiles and, and nods. She doesn't seem to be upset about, at anybody. Uh, and then to the red-haired with the, pun- the punchy face, calls him Quintilius Antiphian Melantor III of Prismari. And with each name, he nods. Uh, the redhead nods as if to punctuate it and says yes that is correct yes that is correct right the third absolutely and then he stretches and gives an obviously fake yawn patting his mouth a little bit and says well which one am i fighting let's just get this over with come on it's late and then rampart takes off their great sword and then plate armor which tez can see now both of them are definitely ceremonial like they're not the great sword isn't sharp mm-hmm you know, it's 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 not LARPing material. You know, like it's it's nice, it's expensive, but the it would not do well in combat. Right. He places them to the side and says, Per the rules, these weapons are not permitted. But as the one who has called this duel, it is my right to fight first, and I call you out, whatever your name is. Levels a finger at Scalabro. Scalabro says The challenge is accepted. So I think we should go back to the original way that we played these combats in AP number one for the Sunless Citadel, which is, Shane, you just control the sidekicks during combat. How's that sound? Sounds great. Great. 
All right, so I sent you the map. There are five pairs of X's marked into the ground with scorch marks between them. You can see they're 35 feet apart. And Aurora whispers, marks of old combat. These are the traditional starting places. When Scalabro is sort of getting uh, himself situated and, and preparing to kind of step forward, uh, Tez will kind of put his arm around him again and kind of lean in conspiratorially uh, and, and whisper something to him. And there's kind of a brief conversation where Scalabro doesn't really understand what Tez is saying. And then he kind of peels away and he's like, just look, start on the left side. Just trust me. Start on the left side. Trusting you always gets me into trouble. That's how you got here. And then he walks off to his ex across from Rampart. Now, of course, one of the rules is that there's no outside interference, so all of the rest of you retreat. Roll initiative. Um, in this moment, it strikes me. He has a plus three. Oh, no, he has a plus one. Yeah, but he's of course, not dex based. I've never written down any of the nonsense stats nobody cares about, like speed. But today, <laughs> today the, they gonna today learn. Today is the day. 30, 35 feet. 35 feet. Because he's base of wood elf. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, I would like to call out that uh, I am using a dice rolling mat given to me by uh, our Discord friend, Keon. Uh, as part of our uh, Secret Santa, our Make a Deal with Behemoth uh, holiday gift exchange. Mm-hmm. So if you'd like to get in on that later this year, come on over to the Discord. This was sent direct from Germany, and it's very nice. And keeping, making sure that I'm the only one awake now at one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, Skelebro has 11 decks, so his 14 is a 14. That's still better than the 10 that Rampart got. So Skelebro goes first. Great. I'll say, looking at this stat block, it's probably a good thing. How is the like start of the duel marked? Like, How do you know that it is permissible to attack? Rampart points at Grayson as a neutral party uh, and he almost rolls his eyes before stepping forward and then in what seems very obviously to Tez to be a traditional announcement says the lines have been drawn and the battle commences now and as the last syllable leaves his lips. Skelebro, with lightning quickness, uh, surprising for a man his size, who's also dead, is on top of uh, <laughs> on top of of the Goliath. And right. uh, I don't think Rampart sees this one coming. Uh, I don't know no. if listeners see this one coming, but it's a grapple check, baby. <laughs> <laughs> time out! Time out! What? Um, that is totally within the rules because no weapons are allowed. But Davinish did tell you very clearly that you can punch people in the face. And hey, <laughs> yep. if you want to wrestle, you can wrestle. <laughs> so give me an athletics check and Rampart will make 
either in athletics or in acrobatics. <laughs> uh, the dice are staying okay for me. 13 plus 6, 19. 1 plus <laughs> 3 is a 4. Rampart definitely does not see this coming and was not prepared. What kind of crazy Krav Maga does... <laughs> I mean, Skelebro knows that he has to control this situation, right? Like, he needs to... Because he has no spells. He has no spells. He needs to remove somatic components from from anything it could go on right now, right? So he is focused 100% on restraining, right? And that is... So it is basically, like, he has them, I think, probably in, like... I mean, probably, like, a full Nelson. And he has this, like, kind of dominant physical position uh and he begins dragging them uh with his remaining movement uh off to towards the wall uh to the left uh, as they had planned towards one of the scintillating walls well on the map you can see uh that would be also towards one of those statues uh the top left statue uh yes which is kind of more middle left but i believe uh in in dragging distance it is one two three four five squares away <laughs> okay Which and take i intend to movement while dragging yeah so i intend to drag them one at a time <laughs> rampart digs their heels into the stone ground trying to find purchase and their arms are not fully pinned behind them but it's difficult to maneuver them but they bring them about a f- the palms about a foot apart, and then you see their eyes close. They take a deep breath in, and suddenly, for everyone in the room, it's almost like there's a a split after image of Scalabro and Rampart for just a moment. Scalabro makes a wisdom saving throw. Ah, yes, just what he's good at. Um, would you say this is a save versus charm or magical sleep? It is not. Well, you could say that. I could. I would be lying. A but I could. 17 plus one. I Whoa. literally can't really roll better than this. <laughs> I don't have a lot of range here. Aurora is watching this and she actually starts narrating. She says, oh, oh, Rampart just tried to chrono break. And Scalabro for a moment everything in the room seems to stop before it speeds quickly back up to its normal pace again and he shakes his head like you know something tried to reach inside his brain and hold it steady so she whispers to the the rest of you that would have been bad he would have just stood there for a, a few moments but I think something else is coming. And she's right. Rampart is disappointed that that didn't work. But that was a bonus action. And so they lift up one booted foot and then stomp it hard on the ground. And there is an eruption of golden energy and a sound like thunder. Skelebro makes a constitution saving throw. That is something he's genuinely good at genuinely rolled average uh 12 plus 4 is 16 that is good because that saves this is a uh thunder wave 
Uh, no. Oh. This is reduced to memory. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> and it does 8d10 thunder damage. All right. Well, we're tanking it. But only half. So I think this is survivable. But who boy. Wow. 41 thunder damage. That's fine. That's below average. Uh, yeah. So, so it's reduced to 20. 20 thunder damage. Uh, and I'm guessing there would have been some automatic movement had I had I not failed or had I su- not succeeded. Actually, no, no auto movement. But no. if if they can only do the chronal break once a day, okay. Um, but that if that had succeeded, Scalibur would have just been incapacitated for a round. Cool, cool. which would have ended the grapple. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Uh, but instead, <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. So Rampart is still grappled. Uh, Scalabro has taken quite a bit of damage, though, but it is Scalabro's turn. Okay, I need you to uh, say this on my behalf, Ishin. Mm. Scalabro says, Now I'm going to teach you a lesson, you little whelp. And with his action, he will take the dash action, <laughs> and he will drag this gigantic... The uh, seven-foot-tall, huh? Seven-foot-tall uh, Goliath and literally like hold them 10 feet from one of the statues and let's see what happens <laughs> <laughs> all right i Skelebro is strong we've established that i does it sound right to you he just sort of like bends his knees and then just hoists i i'm envisioning that like rampart is big in that mm-hmm. they are Goliath but also Rampart is not a like physical like a physically practiced Goliath right like they're a mage so like exactly they have natural strength but they don't have trained strength and so while while they're very large for students here uh they are not large compared to a you know <laughs> thousand year old warrior <laughs> Right, uh, and, and so oh, yeah, I made think of that, made of corded undead muscle. Yes, ex- exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that Rampart kind of loses a bit of the cool <laughs> and starts like desperately squirming their way out, um, and and at that point, like that's when like Skelebro is just bodily like throwing them about and like has the like physical domination now, uh, and intends to hold them uh, because I believe the statues activate within ten feet, so. Uh, Skelebro will hold them 10 feet from the statue uh, while he remains safely 15 feet away. 15 feet away. (laughs) That is what Javanish said. And Javanish did not lead you astray. Let me see if Rampart knows what's coming, though. Mm, It makes sense for a Lorehold scholar. Once Rampart realizes what Skelebro is doing, then they start bucking. Right? Like, kicking in midair, mm-hmm. but unfortunately they're not making contact with the ground because Scalabro is not allowing that. Right. So it looks more like an infantile squirm. That's exactly it. When Scalabro places Rampart within 10 feet of one of these statues, uh, all of you sort of are repositioning because it's, it's kind of like around mm-hmm. a, a bit of a corner. And you can see that it looks like what once was like a, a marble statue, like a multicolored marble statue that is partially melted. Uh, and it 
animates as soon as Rampart gets near and lashes out with a stony arm at Rampart for 20 AC, which is going to hit, and 11 AC, which is going to miss. So Rampart is taking... Nine bludgeoning damage. That is not nearly as much <laughs> as I, Shane, hoped. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been a lot more. Those rolls were okay. And one missed. Um, but you do know that until this statue is destroyed, it's going to keep coming for anyone who's closest. Mm-hmm. So now it's Rampart's turn. And they have got a statue on one side and are still being held by Skelebro. Mm-mm-mm. Does the statue have pack tactics? It does not. Lame. Lame. What kind of statue doesn't have pack tactics? Uh, first off, let's see. Does Skelebro have an additional bonus action? Does he have a bonus action available? I'm, I'm wondering, does he want a second wind? I think the sight of... Uh rampart getting hit by a statue uh rejuvenates him and reminds skillabro <laughs> of the joy of fighting for the sake of fighting i rolled a nine so that's 14 hit points back that might be 14 necessary hit points i think it might be and that's every trick that skillabro has now <laughs> <laughs> unless improved critical suddenly becomes more valuable that's gonna do it Put me down. Put me down. It's time for a fair fight. And when Skelebro obviously doesn't, Rampart thinks for a moment and sort of twists so that they can reach out and touch the ground beneath the statue. And the floor of the repository begins to bubble, reshapes itself, and it lifts up and up and then forms this long slope and the statue then slides down the slope past Rampart and then next to Skelebro. So now Rampart has repositioned the statue next to Skelebro rather than Rampart. I could do this all day. (laughs) Uh, However, now... We've got to roll on the wild magic table because that is a spell. Stone shape. Never mind. This is less fun. People always do this with wild magic. Um, When a creature expends a spell slot to cast a spell of first level or higher, that creature must roll a d10. On a roll of one, they roll in wild magic surge. That is not a one. It does not happen. No wild magic. (laughs) Womp womp. (laughs) My whole plan. Uh... So, so yeah, so the statue is next to Skelebro. Skelebro will simply, like, you know, turn so that the... He's he's now got Rampart, like, next to the statue as well. And then he will simply back away <laughs> using Rampart as a shield. He can move and then... Does he use his action to disengage? Is that how that works? Because otherwise the the statue will take uh, an opportunity attack. An action against him, right? 
Yeah, he should be able to move by swinging Rampart yeah, over I mean, I and guess, then disengage. I guess so. It's just... It's, it's a little annoying he has no action economy either. Um, yeah, fine. Yeah, sure. He'll just disengage so that... Uh, okay, still grappling, but yep. now... I, and now Rampart okay. is 10 feet away and Scalabro is 15 feet away. Statue does what the statue does, which is attack twice. Misses once on Rampart... And this time it is 10 more damage, which is starting to add up. Now Rampart sees that this is not looking great and lifts another, lifts a booted foot again, stomps on the ground and does it again, reduced to memory. Scalabro makes a constitution saving throw. Oh, that's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 16 plus uh, is most four twenty. This feels like a uh, uh, a, a real uh, miscalculation by the Goliath that they're attacking a brutish warrior with con saves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is forty five thunder damage. All right. So half twenty two. So it's 18 hit points left. If he does it again, I mean, Scalabro could drop. It's a recharge, so we'll see what the dice say. But that means it is Scalabro's turn. Perhaps next you should study the Wreck and Mark damage. And Scalabro picks up Rampart and slams them to the ground, physically restraining them, like just the weight of his body uh, holding them to the ground. Is this a pin? This is a pin. Which... Does. Is that a restrain? Uh, nope. I believe that is a shove action. Yeah, in game terms, I just want to knock them prone, which would make them restrained and prone. So then this is an acrobatics check to try to avoid this. Okay, and then the athletics check is? Uh, 13 on the die. I keep rolling like 13 and 14 tonight. That is a success because total for Rampart is 13. Haha. Okay. Uh-huh. And Rampart is on their back, on the ground. And now I would like you to roll that statue attack with advantage, please. <laughs> Hit. Oh, and the second, the second one is a crit because of the advantage. <laughs> 21 damage altogether. I feel like that's more than mage damage. <laughs> <laughs> or more than mage hit points. Holy crap. It's like 40, 40 damage, right? That is 40 damage, but the scholar is still alive and kicking. All right. And angry, but you can you can see that the statue has drawn blood. Great. That's the point. Like, as soon as that attack happens, uh, then, yeah, then Skelebro will offer uh, to let them yield. So Rampart's on their back. They're looking up, and they're basically looking up the upside-down face of the statue, an unfeeling statue that is just bashing them, like, in the lungs, uh, plus Scalabro, who has had them grappled this entire time, and there doesn't seem to be much that they're going to be able to do about this. And let's see. Yeah, didn't recharge. So Scalabro then offers. This ends now if you yield. And Rampart thinks about it for a few moments, puts one hand out, taps 
the ground twice and says, The mark of a worthy opponent is to know when you are beaten. I resign. Uh, as quickly as Skelebro initiated this fight, he like equally quickly yanks uh, Rampart out of the reach of the statue and probably even takes a blow himself <laughs> in the process, uh, but ensures that Rampart doesn't suffer any more harm. So pulls Rampart out of the way. And you're right, the statue doesn't care, right? And starts swinging at Skelebro, who knocks one blow out of the way, and then uh, the statue's other arm explodes. And Tez sees, like, four students have now drawn their wands and blasted the statue apart. <laughs> because the the duel is over. Right. And they're allowed to intercede. And I feel like Skelebro would offer a hand to, to Rampart to uh, help them back to their feet. Has Skelebro give me some kind of check to, like, build that relationship? Nature. (laughs) (laughs) It's natural. (laughs) (laughs) The camaraderie between dueling opponents. If if he was dealing with a Witherbloom or even a Quandrix, I would say yes. Lorehold, however... So let me do this a different way then. Why don't I roll perception to see what the right thing to do uh, for, like, the, like I, I'm trying to interpret, like, body language uh, and, like, the situation. Like, what's the right thing to do? What is the crowd? And, like, what does the, I don't know. This is, none of this sounds that, like perception. That, that would be insight, yeah. <laughs> That's all insight. <laughs> I'm trying to spin this as perception. <laughs> animal handling yeah i know that's i I don't want to i didn't want to say it um skelebro will look over towards tez and also i think towards aurora and i think can i use perception to try and understand what they're trying to tell him to do yeah i mean i'll allow sure (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is like a clever Han scenario where like <laughs> quietly mouthing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So it's a 13 and perception is, uh, uh, plus one wisdom. So four, 17 perception <laughs> to, to maybe Tez knows what to do in this situation. Tez also doesn't have insight. <laughs> um, Tez shrugs. What does Aurora think? <laughs> Yeah, Aurora is mouthing. Tell them a story. So Skelebro will offer a hand and as he uh, to to help Rampart up, and as he does so, I guess I'm gonna have to feed you a story, huh? Yes, I mean we well here, just do it in um paraphrase it. Yeah, I'll paraphrase it. All right, he uh, as he does so, like he tells a story about. Thousands of years ago, <laughs> when uh, he was training, uh, like and and like being trialed, like uh, measuring him to become one of Ashardalon's guards, right? Like within the cult, right? Because he was like a he was like he had a position of honor, right? Um, and so to be an honor guard, he had to like complete trials like this uh and he's telling the story of like in in 
general terms, right? Like, but but still, you know, uh, it's the story of failing the first time that he that he attempted the trial, but then like redoubling his efforts and studying and applying himself, and he was able to, um, you know, complete the trial and was elevated to the honor guard. Uh, and now that's the same kind of spirit that he carries with him now that he's been, like, revived. Again, you notice every time Scalabro is telling a story about, like, being thousands of years old and being in a cult and, and all of that, all of these students really seem to take it as metaphor. Well, I think I think Scalabro would call it, like, an order, my order, right? He mm-hmm. wouldn't call it a cult because it wasn't right? a cult for him. It was the order of a Chardelon. <laughs> <laughs> and Rampart stands and and sort of regains their composure stands to their full height again and then looks Skelebro in the eyes and says you have given me much to think about perhaps I should do a bit more studying Tez chimes in or perhaps just less dueling when you lose and he smirks and kind of like plays a little heel for the uh for the crowd and just then there's a tugging and tez's pant leg and a little voice shouting meepo is next meepo is next meepo will fight who does meepo call out is it the the punchable red head uh from prismari meepo's own school or the green-haired woman from Quandrix. Yeah. Okay. So yes. Yeah. So Meepo would like to fight the Prismari because they're in the same school, and so like this seems to Meepo, this seems like a fun little jaunt. You know, like everyone's enjoying themselves. Like, yes, I will have fun with my friend from my my school. Yes, and you punch statues and you roll around on the ground. Meepo will challenge you. And Tez intervenes. No, he's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so Lorene, the green-haired woman from Quandrix, again gives a, a friendly smile and says, "That's okay. We we can duel. I brought some scratch paper. I've been figuring out what I'm going to do." Meepo mm, has been trying to understand the rules. No weapons, and oh, don't kill me. Mm, what about fighting? And she seems to take this question really seriously. And she says, mm, "I don't, I don't think that's against the rules." Hmm. Hmm. And then she's still pondering it as she, like, takes her location at uh, a a different uh, mark on the ground. So let's do initiative with Lorene from Quandrix and Meepo. I can't imagine that she's not going first. (laughs) He has dexterity. Oh. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) Never doubt these dice. Oh my goodness. Uh, today's dice are uh, uh, from Ice Cream Dice. And these hmm. are uh, these are uh, Peppermint Crits. And let me tell you about Peppermint Crits. Did they crit? No, but 18 plus 3 is 21. So I guess Meepo's going that first. That is really good, except that she did actually crit. Oh, oh, good for her. And with a plus 2, it's a 22. Good for her. Wow, Meepo just edged out. So, again, Grayson Windermere. The lines are drawn and the battle commences now. And lightning quick, both of them leap into action, but 
Lorene is just a hair faster than Meepo. And she whips out a wand. And... Ooh. Uh, 22 AC on Meepo. Yikes. And a crit on Meepo. Uh, It's going to be a one-shot. On Meepo. It might be... Uh, what is she? What is she using? She whipped out a wand and a uh, what what looks like a a whip of water shot out and lashed Meepo twice. Oh, pretty bad damage roll though. Fortunately for Meepo, fifteen force damage. It's gonna be a short fight. And then they are. 35 feet away, right? So she then runs at him. So so she like whips out this wand and like is closing the distance and then like whip, whip. And then when she gets 20 feet away from Meepo, she disappears and then reappears 60 feet away. But from the point where she disappeared from uh, on the ground spreads this fractal pattern. Uh, that grows wider and wider until it engulfs Meepo, and he makes a constitution saving throw. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Nine. Mm, nine is nine is not great. He takes ten force damage. Okay. Oh, one hit point, Meepo. Oh, we'll see. He could come back, and then he is moved. Like shunted, ten feet uh, to the uh, northeast, but he's not knocked to the ground. So now they are seventy feet away from each other. The walls here are these kind of like twisted and sort of like like kind of weirdly shaped, where they kind of double back on themselves and create like these little tendrils that kind of create mm-hmm. these like pockets and gaps right right and alcoves yep yeah uh it's very easy to lose si- to lose line of sight yeah so Meepo's gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> um he is going to uh duck behind one of these alcoves um retreating away and uh, he will very quickly, like, he kind of, he almost, like, pantomimes, like, drawing a sword, but he's not, like, he's disarmed himself, right? And mm-hmm. in his hands, he draws a rapier that looks a lot like, um, like a similar shape to Tez's, but it is formed of, like, this shadowy glow. And he draws it almost as though it is like in his hand a physical form though it is obviously ethereal and illusory uh and he is casting shadow blade as a bonus action he's using his action to dash well actually i think he can get he can get into he can get out of line of sight with just his movement he has 30 feet right yeah yeah, he can definitely. Okay, and then he will hide, uh, and he's basically mm. hiding around around one of these corners, like kind of betting that she doesn't know which one he ducked behind, uh, and that's the that's his best bet of surviving. <laughs> All right, so give me a stealth check. When he makes the sword, she's seventy feet away now, right? So she's like, "Hey, remember, no, 
no weapons. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, he does this. He's ducked out of line of sight first. Oh, before, before he, he makes, makes it. the sword. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Then she doesn't. But yeah, give me a stealth check. Uh, so he's 16 decks. So he's plus three. 11 plus three is 14. Hey, um, he beats her perception check. So she does not know where he is right now. So that's Meepo's turn. Now it's her turn. Hmm. She's going to cast Mage Armor. And no Surge. Oh, yeah. Uh, Meepo casts a spell, too. Does he need to roll for Surge? Oh, he does. Right. Roll a d10. Seven. Okay. No Surge. Uh, and then she is going to move adjacent to the wall, but not quite behind it. So she'll have half cover, but she's still peering around it to see if Meepo materializes. But she's not coming closer. And they're still like 70 feet apart? Uh, yes. It's not a whole lot of options here. <laughs> he is going to use prestidigitation uh, to make little uh, pitter-patter footsteps of a kobold uh, retreating further mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and by retreating further I mean not into this alcove but like uh, w- sorry what what is the floor it's it's like it's a stone floor pretty smooth okay is there any type of dust or debris or anything on it that would like betray an invisible actually yes the walls and ceilings are as hard and durable as stone but there um, are magical art pieces being broken down all over the place here so yeah i think definitely walking through them will disturb them so yes okay then he is going to use prestidigitation to create mm-hmm. an instantaneous harmless sensory effect such as a shower of sparks a puff of wind faint musical notes or an odd odor to just create a few footsteps that appear to be retreating further away from uh from where he is, right? So so stretching the distance even further, trying to draw her out by thinking he has become invisible and is trying to sneak back. Hmm. Give, have him make Arcana. Arcana, uh, Arcana check or deception check or... The Arcana of his life. 14. Seriously, it's minus one. Oh, wait, wait, but I'm proficient. 14 plus 2, 16. <laughs> well, well, well. I was trying to decide between her using Arcana Investigation or Insight, but with that roll, all of them fail. Perfect. So she is fooled. That's exactly what she thinks is happening. Uh, so the footsteps are leading behind where he is? Uh, Yeah, exactly. Like, like past where he is, right? So if she were to follow the footsteps, she would kind of walk in front of his alcove and presumably not know that he is hidden behind there so that she'll come uh, basically he needs her to get within 30 feet <laughs> or else <laughs> nothing he does is going to work right okay is he done or anything else yeah that's it she was waiting for him to pop out and she thinks he has okay she is going to move 30 feet up because that's her full move and then she's just going to take how far away from himself did he make the footsteps? Um, I, I mean, I'm just kind of looking at the alcove here. I mean, it looks like they'd be... Like, he's probably 
15 to 20 feet into the little alcove where there's like enough of a tendril to hide hide in. Uh, so I guess it would be about 20 feet uh, is like the opening into the kind of the main passage, right? So about 20 feet away. She's actually going to run forward 60 feet just out in the open. That's like 30 feet away then, right? Because they were 70. He retreated about 20 into the alcove. How far away does it put her from where she thinks he is? I mean, I think that puts her about 20 to 30, like between 20 and 30 feet, depending on where she thinks he is. All right, let's just call it 20. So she's going to run up and then she's going to disappear again. But she she reappears only 10 feet back. Again, that same fractal pattern like erupts on the ground and you can see it hits where she thinks he is invisibly. But Meepo, actual Meepo is too far off to the side to get hit by it. Got it. Uh, and he doesn't materialize or fall to the ground, so she just sort of swears under her breath and thinks she missed him. But she's done, and she's out in the open. Uh, now, how far away uh, does the bright light emanate from the walls? 20. 20 feet from the walls. And how far from a wall is she? <laughs> 25 feet. So she's in dim light. Okay. Uh, I mean, can Meepo charge to her and reach her? He can get there in 30 feet, yes. All right, then... I mean, this is the charge of the Light Brigade. <laughs> like, I don't think Meepo's going to survive another round, and he can't take a, a... He's too weak to really... He doesn't have anything at range to continue cleverness. Like, all he can get is basically this one blitz of an attack. So that's what he's going to do. Shadow Blade drawn. He charges out of the uh, alcove uh, and into her. She is in dim light, though. Which means, uh, with the Shadow Blade, when you use the sword to attack a target that is in dim light or darkness, you may you make the attack roll with advantage. Ooh, so he charges out with the Shadow Blade, and now she sees it for the first time, and she says, Hey, remember, no weapons. Meepo made it from his mind. Oh, well, that's fine. As she potentially gets stabbed. Oh, she definitely gets stabbed. <laughs> but it's not a crit, so I don't think it matters. <laughs> it's uh, 18. Oh, so this is finesse. So he will be able to use his dex, which is very helpful. So it's uh, it's 18 plus 6 is 24 versus AC. So I don't think your mage armor is going to help. No, that definitely connects. Uh, so is he just swinging with it or is he green flame blaming? He's green, green flame, flame blading, blading, yeah. Right. <laughs> so it is, uh, it is also uh, lit with very, it's it's illusory sword with very real fire. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so that hits. What does the damage look like on that? Uh, the damage looks like on that 2d8 uh, psychic and 1d8 fire, I believe. Right, because at level 5, green flame does an additional d8 fire, right? So this is 3d8 damage, and it needs to be high. It needs to be real high, Ishan. It's true. It, it does. Also, her hit points need to be very low. Mm. Okay. She's a third year. Yeah, I need them to be lower. Five plus seven. <laughs> this is how you make them lower, yeah. Plus seven, which is 19, and then plus dex. So uh, yeah. plus is 22. I mean, it's a good, it's a good try. That's really good. Um, it doesn't take her out, but she like shouts in pain. She like clutches her head. Actually, um, you can see there's a a drop of blood coming out of her nose, but also she's burnt. 
So I feel like I feel like Meepo would say Meepo sword only hurts brains. <laughs> She's I uh, I I see I see uh huh. So now they're standing next to each other. Uh huh. This is where Meepo dies. <laughs> Maybe let's see. We got a recharge. We do not have a recharge. Oh, he cast a spell. Oh, he did. Oh, oh, it was a cantrip. Does that count? No, it does not. Okay. Never mind. Even better. Uh, so she's just going to say, that's a great combination. Let's talk about it once I finish this. And her wand comes out, and instead of a, a, a whip coming out, she just slashes with it. Reasonable. So, melee attack. Oof. Yeah, that's, that's a 24 AC. Yeah, yeah. Meepo's, and Meepo's down. And after a minute, Meepo regains all his hit points as the magic suffusing the repository heals his wounds and his eyes flutter and Lorene looks down on him and says, that was fun. I've never seen that spell combination before. Next time, Meepo will win. Yeah, maybe. That's... I suppose a definite possibility. I did start off strong. You know, maybe we can talk theory at some point. I love to compare notes, especially with creative spellcasters. You know, I'm in the intramural water dancing club. If you ever want to come by, I'm trying to teach fish how to synchronize swim with me. I mean... Uh, yeah, I mean, I know you're just going to talk to yourself, but you know what Meepo's going to say to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm. I will join you for fish dinner. <laughs> Meepo loves fish. She, she seems happy with this and doesn't quite catch his connotation. Tez face palms. And then the Prismari with the red hair steps forward and says, Well, I suppose it's you and me, new kid. You ready to lose? Because that means your side loses. <laughs> sure. I suppose it's fitting. Why are you even on this team? Quintilius Antiphium Melantor III always rolls with winners. Interesting. I guess half winners. Look, scoreboard is 1-1. It's all tied up. Really, all that matters is our little battle. And we know how this is going to go. And he conjures that blue flame in his hands again and waves his hand back and forth and the flame dances on the on the top of his fingers. Almost absentmindedly. You can tell like he is good at this. He's just peacocking. He's just being such a tool about it. Have we established what Tez's all-purpose tool is? Like what? Like what, what shape it is, what form it is? Uh, it comes as a screwdriver, but remember, it can turn into any any set of artisan's tools. Ah. And stay that way. So it could it could be, you know, cobbler's tools, brewer's, whatever, you know. No, 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 no. Screwdriver's good. Uh, wait, does he seem to be holding a wand? Quintilius? Yes. Uh, is the wand involved in this little play uh no he's just conjuring with his hands um 
but you can tell he has like a wand, almost like a holster. So Tez is going to uh, uh, kind of follow it along with his eyes for a bit and, and sort of like make the kind of like ooh and ah, like kind of mock impressed kind of tones, um, you know, exactly what he wants from the crowd. And then he's going to kind of wave him off and reach into his uh, into his belt and pull out uh, a screwdriver. Uh, which he will then begin to kind of like wave about in the air uh, as it kind of like fits and sparks a bit. Uh, And then he will like kind of toss it from one hand to the other and he'll like, you know, kind of do a little sleight of hand where it kind of moves between his fingers and then like kind of rolls over the back of his hand and he catches it and like spins it back around. Right. And just kind of making a mockery of this whole thing, but he's doing it with a screwdriver. Well, it looks like there'll be two tools in this duel. <laughs> and we'll find out what happens next time. All right. Let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPT Cast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. And before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill. And uh, a special shout out to our editor, Aram, uh, and all the patrons who help pay him for his editing, because this episode was a mess to record. <laughs> it involved us trying to pass lines to each other, uh, fumbling names and pronouns. I'm not sure we caught even all of them, but Aram had to clean up a lot. Yeah, comparing stat blocks to figure oh. out how to play these characters and the NPCs together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, w- whatever form this came in, was not the raw material, I assure mm-hmm. you. <laughs> it no. is thousands. I haven't heard the edit yet, but I know it's thousands <laughs> of times improved. So thank you, Aram, and thank you for our patrons for making it possible to have Aram help us out with that. The music alone. All right, what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are continuing our playthrough of The Magister's Masquerade. Well, that's it for episode 322 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>